Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Hey, uh, a little intro this week uh, since I I missed last week's uh, episode, or I didn't miss it, but I accidentally pushed it to now, and then even now a day extra, and I'm sorry for uh, being late on the schedule again. But it has been busy times and and I've been quite tired. Uh, so I decided last minute I, I changed all my plans. So I was supposed to move back to Denmark now. And then, yeah, in the 11th hour, I, I made a decision to stay in Finland. So it has required a bit of um, logistic, uh, bureaucratic and emotional capacity to uh, accommodate uh, such a decision um, so yeah this is why I'm a bit late and also for once I will do a uh, a little fact correction of myself uh, I don't normally fact check myself for what I say in these episodes I just uh, you know speak from my best knowledge and best memory and sometimes I say things that I afterwards listen to and I'm like why did I say that that's not correct or uh, that's not how you use that word or that was something I remembered wrong it happens Um, it's not that kind of podcast that I think like everyone I talk to and myself included we are just people and we just speak from our own position but when I was finding the links for this episode uh, for the show notes I realized that I had said something wrong and since it was an area I was very opinionated about and now I had accidentally fact-checked it and realized that I said something wrong I thought I would for once include a little self-correction so um, in this episode in Odi library the main library in Helsinki I say that it's the same architects that designed the Fine Arts Academy I study in, who also designed this library. That is not correct. Um, so the architects of the Art Academy are JKMM architects, and they did also design a library, but not the main library in Helsinki. They designed the Kirkonomi library, which is um, a bit outside of Helsinki. Um, it's a different town city Uh, and the architects who designed the main library Udi where this episode takes place are LAA no sorry ALA architects yeah all these architect firms have like just letter abbreviations in any case I just uh, thought I would like uh, correct my own mistake since I, I kind of have criticized these architects quite a lot for the art academy so I didn't want to uh, wrongly accuse other architects of being them <laughs> but in any case uh, yeah this was a long intro welcome to this episode with Paula and I enjoy I will maybe just wait till this uh, chain of people have walked past. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot of teenagers. <laughs> it's, a, it's a film day. It's a lot of teenagers. Okay, hi. Um, mm-hmm. 
and maybe a little bit loud. Hi, and welcome to Verbal Art with me, your host, Senja Ram. It's uh, this art podcast where I interview artists about their work um, on whatever location it makes sense. So today we are here in Odi, which is the main library of Helsinki. And it's lunch hour and it's really busy right where we're sitting. But don't worry, we will move so you don't have to listen to this noise for the whole time. And I'm here with... Do you use your whole name now? Yes. So I'm here with Paola Fernanda Guzman Figueroa. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. Hola, Paola. <laughs> Hola. Um, yeah, I know you quite well and I know your practice quite well. Uh, but maybe you want to just quickly introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, yes, so, well, uh, I am uh, I'm very happy to be here with you. I also know you very well, and I think this project is a really, really good project for the arts sake in, uh, in Finland and also for the English-speaking and international community living in Finland. So I'm very thankful for that. And uh, As you said, my name, now I'm using my whole name because I have been, uh, like in my practice, uh, it has been very related towards like my identity as a Colombian living in Finland and, and also very much connected to my family and my, like where, where are my roots coming from? Like I think I would have never wondered about it so much as if I would have been living like uh, in, in Colombia when I was living there. So now when I'm in Finland, it's like, Every time it's like there is this nostalgia for, for my country and for my family, like mostly. And so I think it's, it's really, um, yeah, great to, that you, you mentioned the name because it's like I cannot be Paola Guzman or I cannot be Paola uh, Figueroa or, you know, it's like... Paola I mean, Fernanda would be a nice artist name, actually. Yes, yes, actually. That would be the, the shortest way. But so also it would, people... be a, it would be a great... That's his name because it would yes. not be Finnish at all and it would be particular enough. The whole yes. name is a quite long artist name. Yes, yes, like as an artist name, I would say like, of course, it's it's challenging, but it also challenges these, these uh, perspectives of where, where people come from in one way that, you know, nowadays we are using just one last name or in, 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 in Colombia. It's normal yeah. to have very long names in Colombia? Yes, yes. Actually, for us, it's really like a big proud to be like with the two last names. Yeah, I mean, I have two last names, but in yeah. Denmark, that's not technically possible. So in my passport, one of them is listed as a first name, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it's obviously not a first name. Yeah. Like, but it had to be in the passport as an official first name. So all on all official forms, I have like one normal first name and a weird first name, and mm-hmm. then like one last name because my parents don't have the same last name. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So then it would be like Colombia in that sense. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, so, well, my, my practice then, um, it's about that, like, I, I decided I'm going to be Paola Fernanda Guzman Figueroa, and, and in a way, it's, yeah, it's long, it makes it very uncomfortable sometimes for many galleries and spaces that are like, is it true? And I'm like, yes. And it's hard to fit it in, like, graphically. Yes. It takes graphic. a lot of space. Yes, so it's a bit like, hmm, what is, but... I mean, for now, I'm I'm happily using it, and I really also see it as as, as something regarding the identity of what I have. Yeah, it's good. And uh, and yeah, so so yes, my my films I work mostly with audiovisual media, with uh, moving image, 
with installation and uh, also with photography. Mm. So, yeah, well, back in Colombia, I started uh, studying visual arts. And it was quite like a big thing because, you know, in Colombia it's not so easy to choose as a, as a person. Like suddenly you want to become an artist and taking the path of, you know, like uh, arts as a profession in an academy. In a sense, like for, for my parents, I think like oh, they, they, they really supported me. But I, I sometimes uh, think that also I had the chance to be the third child, so the youngest. I'm the youngest of the third of the three of us, and uh, my brother became a doctor, and my sister became like this uh, political. So like, they uh, had human. enough. Yes, they had they enough. They already have yeah. two success stories, and so they could do with one little fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> they could be more like. So in a sense, like I think, yeah, in, it, like they they could be like more open to the idea that, and they could also see that since I was like 14 or 13, I was like just like uh, drawing, painting, I like it more like going to cinema with friends okay. and like and we were living in downtown of Bogota. So that was like a big connection for me to start kind of thinking about arts and visiting like cine cl uh, clubs, uh, mm. which is like this group that people uh, reunite and, and watches films and it's for free. Mm. So I was really like more attracted to that and to the music culture in, in the center there was a lot of gigs and And maybe also yeah. with families, at least for my family growing up, I mean, we were never really poor, but it was definitely working class mm. conditions. And, and when I was a really small child, we didn't have that much money. Like my parents were scraping a bit. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, they both worked their way up. So, I mean, I guess also being the third child, the parents are a little bit maybe more uh, stable in their situation. I could imagine with the first children there, it's always like a big chaos, I think, for most people. And then, yeah, yeah later you are more established in your whole situation. Yeah, yeah, economically, of course, like, yeah, like, mm, I would say that, yeah, it, it was challenging in our perspectives from all the sides because our education was, was uh, yeah, in Colombia, it's like mostly... Uh, private yeah yeah so so they were really like the yeah like to pay universities and all that was for with three children for three children so yeah. it was like a lot of work and of course credits and loan bank loans and all things all these things yes that i am like yeah it was really kind of you feel like this pressure in a sense that If you go to university, you need to really finish it and study it because mm. the, every hour costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, Someone like, has invested in you. Yes, yes, exactly. So, so it's not maybe from this uh, here in, in Finland. It's about the government that is investing, but here, like when it's about parents, you take it really serious. And of course, it's just next to it's, it's your family. And uh, and then after that, yeah, I came to Finland. So my sister did exchange in Finland and I, when it comes. Yeah. yeah, and I think we will get back to this um, because there is a lot to unpack family-wise and, and education-wise because you did study art in Finland and Colombia and you studied different types of art in Finland. You, you are very educated. <laughs> uh, but also, um, yeah. since your practice is a lot about family... Well, yeah, so it was easily... It was easy for me to mentally map out some kind of like list of talking points for today because I know what you do. 
So I think we will get into different ways of working with film and video as a medium because you you use a lot of different techniques. Yes. And yeah. uh, the difference to these diff like working analog or digital and maybe the difference to studying film mm -hmm. specifically and then studying film within fine arts context. Mm -hmm. You also have some perspective there. And then about the whole like Finland, Colombia family situation. But let's uh, go back to my format and help just describe where we are to the listener because we haven't talked about how it looks here. Yes. So And yeah. also I think a lot of this conversation we can take in a more quiet corner. Mm -hmm. So for now let's describe this space and then move on maybe. Yes. So we so we can talk about your video here yes. but first but also so I said we're in the main library but this is a very modern library so actually right now where we are we can't see any books at all. It's a pretty big <laughs> building so we are sitting under some like very uh, modern architecture wave of like wooden panels and we're sitting next to the entrance to a cinema uh, or kino Re Regina, Regina. Regina and this is why it's so loud extra now because there are like a hundred teenagers going to see one film as like a school thing right now and we're sitting in the middle of the food court so to our left we have windows into a very fancy kitchen with like chefs preparing uh, food for the lunch buffet and behind us in each direction, people are sitting and eating lunch. And uh, yeah, maybe you also put some words on yes, the surroundings. Yes, actually, yes, in Audi, like uh, Audi is like, um, of course, it's like, is the, the biggest. I, I have also heard that Audi Helsinki is like uh, the biggest library. I think it is considered the main library. Yeah. yeah, and the biggest library in the Nordics. Oh, okay. That, in that actually way also. they have, yeah, they have got like also the, yeah the number of the, the, the first biggest library okay. uh, of the Nordic countries and actually it's very interesting because we are in this place uh, that Senia said that it's very strange like the, the, the ceiling and it's actually because we are under the seats of the cinema. Ah, so, this is why it's we're sitting on this like weird uh, sloping way. Yes, yes, it's ah, like a mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually it's very nice because yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, that, that's what it has. Uh, I so we realize. are people sitting up, up in our heads there, people watching film inside of Kino Regina. Oh, that's fun. Um, mm. And actually, like, so um, two episodes, no, three episodes ago, I had this conversation with Dangmo, uh, episode 40, in uh, the new building of the Academy of Fine Arts, where I study, where Paula studied before. And we talk about the architecture there and how it's not so suitable for the art school, but quite impressive as a public building. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, it's the same architects who designed this building. These? And Amos Rex uh, Gallery also. So this architecture firm are normally hired to do these very impressive public buildings that are like works of art in themselves, which is one of the reasons why they probably were not the best to hire for the art school because uh, it means that it has been designed to be very impressive when walking in as a visitor but functionally as like a place of work and study and moving big things around and stuff is not that great yeah, so that was a little uh, yeah, no, that's very challenging so that was a little sidetrack uh, okay. uh, fun fact of the day yeah because in a building like this where people only spend a few hours yeah the yes. architecture can take a lot of space in itself without being functional that's okay 
Yes, and I, I see that actually Odi has like every every space you go there is a chair or place to sit or actually they, I, I think here it's very well uh, divided and how spread the and seating and accessibility. You also said how many people come here every day? Yes, so in Odi uh, comes like between six to eight thousand people per day. And it depends, of course, in the weekends, uh, can come much more because here is like the first first point to come for tourists and, and uh, all these groups. And, and your yeah. work is displayed all around the place. So actually, wow, it's so, so many people who have seen your yeah. Nanita now. Yes, <laughs> yes and I, I really enjoy it because it says Nanita para siempre. So there is also this kind of like... Uh, like hint for Latin America or Spanish, Spain, yeah. uh, Spanish-speaking people because they really see it like, okay, what is this here, you know, like, and of course it's it's about my grandmother. So, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, what does Nanita para siempre mean? It means grandmother for you, right? Yes, Nanita, actually... It's or, no, forever, not, not yeah. for you, para siempre. Para siempre, yes, Nanita yeah, so forever. Grandma forever. Yes, yes, and actually, uh, Nanita, uh, it's how I called her. Oh, so it's not a normal name. It's not abuela. Abuela, it oh, okay. would be, or abuelita, mm. would be like... Abue. Little grandma. <laughs> yeah, little grandma. We, we usually say abuelita, mm. or abue. But I've never, never say abuela. No, Nanita. always Nanita. And actually, she was always very proud that she wasn't called abuela. <laughs> or she is not called, because she, she's Nanita, alive. Yes. Is Nanita like a normal thing to call your grandma, or is it only something your family made up? Just uh, our family in Bogota. But in a region in Colombia, uh, they call her, they call the grandmas uh, Nona. So it's a bit similar, okay. Nona. And of course, Nani comes from the world, yeah, of yeah. course, the, the person that is taking care of you. But it was actually the first grandchild of Nanita that starts saying Nana. Nana and Nanita. what does Nanita mean? Mm, I don't really think it means, uh, like, it, I think it's more like the nickname that we okay. from Nani, sure. Nanita, Nana, Nona. My chum, I don't know, really like etymologically etymo kind of. No, no, it's okay. Right? Yeah. So let's talk about your video here because that is the last uh, major part of what is in our surroundings right now. Yes. Uh, so Paula has like a series of versions of the same video projected on walls all around this like ground floor of the building. Is mm -hmm. that correct? And we are sitting next to one version right now. Yes. And so, uh, can you help, like, just visually describing how it looks? Yes. But but can you talk into this while you're doing? Yes. It? So so actually, we are uh, sitting in well, um, in front of like uh, we were talking. We are in Kino Regina, not inside of the the cinema, but uh, in that of, area yeah, of in the this, of Odi. Yeah, in all these chairs, the restaurant chairs. So um, you can see, and it's more as an installation. This version, which actually contains like uh, there is three video projectors. So when I came to Odi first time to talk with the technicians, they showed me like what is the use of the space, right? Like what, how many projectors we have, what is how possible? many can we can we use? And I was like, okay, let's use because 
actually it's possible to just have a normal film and screen it then. In a, in a room where people sit as a screening? Yes, yeah. yes, there is, but it's in the second floor. But then for these ones also you can just send their, your film. But then for me it was like I couldn't really send a normal film, you know, this version just as a one. Because I really wanted to use the, the three projectors and I thought like mm. it's actually really interesting that you can make this as an installation. So yeah, I create yeah. a whole new version of Nanita Para Siempre. So Nanita Para Siempre is a film that has been already in process um, since uh, 2015. Uh, 2015 I started filming Nanita. So I have material, a lot of material from Colombia because that's also my, my uh, personal practice that I go every time I visit my country and my family and filming us in situations being together or or I just like simple conversations and I also give my camera to them so they also feel me around or film us or I see the perspective from my mom or my dad. And sometimes you've included material from when you were a child as well, right? Yes, yes. So that, that also has been like a, another search for the past and the question of why am I far in that sense that, of course, like there is, there is many reasons, but, but still like why are we uh, so spread geographically? Because my sister is also living somewhere else and, and my brother also. So, so yes, and um, so this version, actually, when we come back to the, to the Kino Regina now, let's jump back again. Um, there is um, the film, in one of the screens, you, you get to see three projectors projecting three different uh, parts of the film. But they are shown as like one super wide screen strip, mm -hmm. and so it's just like, it's kind of like a triptych, so like, um, like one mm -hmm. long image, but that is divided into three parts. And so it's three different projectors controlling each panel of it's almost like a cartoon yes. Uh, division. Yes. So in the first film, you can mostly see me drawing and drawing the animation that uh, it's coming in the other screen. So first you see me like uh, mostly drawing, drawing, drawing. Then the, the middle screen, you see the conversation between Anita and me as a text. So this text, I did it in English and Finnish subtitles. And I thought it was, of course, very important to have it in a public space with Finnish uh, subtitles also because... But also it's about um, your praxis, right? And, and you, also, yes. you function between three, four languages on a daily basis. Yes, and, and uh, Swedish also, I, my plan is to also translate it to Swedish. Exactly. Because it's, it's like, like Senia is saying, I, I am uh, also a lot with Swedish-speaking community, like my, my relatives now in Finland and my future husband. <laughs> Paola's uh, new uh, family-in-law to be yes. is yes. Swedish-speaking. Swedish-speaking. And and also I have worked a lot with, with Swedish speaking and I'm working nowadays with Swedish speaking community. So it's yeah, it's also another another language that comes in. And and also for a library I thought it was very important that the text is very clear, that people really understand what's the message also. And before there was sound on this video, right? The version yes. I saw in the Colombian embassy like a year or two mm -hmm. ago that had yeah. sound. Yes, so originally, of course, I have been filming Anita. Wow, this one uh, food court worker just uh, almost fell over a mat on the floor with this big trolley full of dirty dishes and it was really close that they dropped everything, but it was, they, yes. they managed only a few pieces of cutlery. Great. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, the last one, just drop. <laughs> Action. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so yeah, so yes. it's, and it's like, so now Nanita says, maybe it's vanity, God sent me with that gift. And Paola says, it's beautiful, Nanita, or Seon Kaunis Nanita in Finnish. Yes. And then Paola says, and Hilda Strauss, do you know how she is doing? Uh, and Anita says, yes, she's already old, mi amor. So then it's written like this, like a cartoon almost, or like a book. Um, and then the last like panel, or like a comic, yeah. And the last panel is like, is that all the time animation or... That is also animation, so so yeah, so that's kind of the result. So in one one screen you see the process, in the middle screen you see our communication, our conversation, and in the third screen you see the result. What is the result of our commun of, of the process of the drawing, no? and also of our communication? And the drawing is rotoscoping, right? Yes. So this is an animation uh, called uh, yeah. The, the technique is called rotoscopy which means that uh, all the material I have filmed with the camera, I have been transforming it into drawing using a projector. So, yeah, maybe just technically describe to the listener how you do that. Yes, so, actually, uh, this this was in an animation course, like the, the whole project started with Incubatai, the Academia. It's a really good uh, animation course, and unfortunately I think they have scrapped it from the curriculum because of no. like cutting courses but it was so good yes it was with, it was yeah. with uh, Eva Gorsna yeah, exactly. it was an amazing course and we were using different techniques one of them was rotoscopy mm -hmm. so I really enjoyed it because when I saw Nanita transformed into a drawing which is like okay I will explain how so So basically, you you create um, you you need to have a projector, or a small projector, or a, a physical screen that you can put a paper on a is also screen. possible. Yeah, but yeah. you have to be able to somehow superimpose so that you can draw on top of the actual projected image. Yes. So so you need to kind of create a a, a table, an animation table, mm. which is like a piece of board which has like a window, um, let's say a plexiglass in between, in the middle, mm. so you can get get the light going through, so which you is can the like, projector. So if you cut like and a then, hole in your dining table and put yes. the projector on the floor, then you can have like a plexiglass window. Window, and when you put, you place the paper on top, then you have an image. Yeah. And then, then you can draw it. Exactly. And of course the drawing can vary. I mean, it's like, it, it, rotoscopy means like this, uh, well, I don't know actually what is rotos, but copying is like you know, the copy of this image. So the idea is you literally pause the film frame by frame and draw, so like a normal cartoon animator like uh, would draw hundreds of drawings to make a cartoon figure or like a, an animation figure move. Yes. Here you can just use, if you don't know how to draw yourself or if you want to copy exactly uh, you can you can use frame by frame of the actual video and it can still take forever but you can also of course skip some frames and get a little bit more old school look yes and is that and, and have you done that change like like uh, there is i have for example there is like i like every frame will be totally different but there is a line that you will follow mm. so it's really interesting to see for example hair The hair of Nanita is never the same in each frame. 
because I cannot copy a hair. No, know? and That's also you have, totally, yeah. you've done a really like quite simple pencil line yes. style drawing. Yes, but of, of course each drawing takes around 30 minutes. Yeah, but so, you still leave out a lot of details, right? Like you don't make shadows and things. Yes, and, yeah. no, and if I would make shadows, I would take, if with this one I have around 1,000 drawings. To make how long a, a video? 1,000, and each drawing is like 30 minutes, 20 20 to 30 minutes to cut to cut to make and to then make. and how long is the finished film uh, uh the finished film it's uh, this one is four minutes uh, six minutes and a half so, so yeah a thousand drawings to make yes. six minutes of video and even less because this this one actually is combining uh, analog uh, shots oh, from cool. nanita and me so i i decided to put like a real real image from super 8 millimeter camera yeah so this is actually a lot of different techniques mixed huh it's digital <laughs> the video of you drawing is digital video right yes and then the the black and white uh, grainy film is super 8 it's yeah the black and white yeah, yeah. super 8 and then uh, the nanita drawing is 16 16 it's rotoscoping plus 16 millimeter. What do you mean? So I shot actually, yes, yeah, so this, the process of this animation has taken me a really long time. And also partly of my residency in New York was doing this. Okay. Because I really wanted to have like the same mater materiality, you know, mater like material meets material mm -hmm. in a sense that the drawings are physically, I have them, they are A4 size. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to, I wanted to shoot also in, in uh, celluloid, in 16 millimeter celluloid so there is like this special machine um, it's called Oxbury animation table which was the, the way they were shooting like the beginning of animation uh, and in New York they have one of those so it shoots like still frames still frames uh, or, so like it's a video camera an analog video camera that shoots like a photography camera almost or yes it's a it's so it doesn't run like a normal film camera would do yes no it's, it's a 16 millimeter and you can also change it to, to 35 millimeter okay. and they it's you know what's the name of this animation uh, program that you that Eva was teaching us. Uh, uh, Dragon Frame. Dragon Frame. So it's the same, like you know, Dragon Frame. You have this little uh, keyboard. Mm -hmm. So there is like a keyboard, but this is this one is analog, and it's called Oxberry. Okay. So that gives you the option to click, and that's connected to the camera, triggers ah, the yes, the, cam yes. the 16 millimeter camera, and it takes each photo, each frame. Yeah. For anyone out there interested in doing animations, e either if you wanna animate with still photos and do it digitally or drawings or whatever like look into dragon frame as software it's really nice and easy to work with and makes it like a very smooth process for digital animation yes so that's just a little good plug there yes exactly so so yeah animation in a sense like it's for me this this animation it's also about the time i spent drawing and i spent with manita that's why for me it was also very important to shoot uh, when i'm drawing it like in real time mm. and also sh plus some shots when i am really in colombia and i f film with the analog and right now for instance there is text in the middle and then there is drawing animation in both sides of birds so one is like a far away perspective of birds eating and one is a close-up of a bird eating did you also film these things or yes yes so they yes. even the birds were also filmed before yes. 
in Colombia. Yeah. But you have skipped some frames, right? This is not frame by frame. No, it would be frame by frame would be 25 frames. Yeah. So I would completely get crazy. Yeah. So 25 <laughs> frames per second is a pretty yeah. standard uh, yeah. European film uh, format. Yeah, this is this is ten frames per second. Okay, so that means it gets this more old school uh, look. How silent films, for instance, move in a different way than than modern films is because yeah. they have less frames per second. So yeah. it becomes more of this like uh, like Charlie yeah. Chaplin, like yeah, moving style. a little bit yeah. Uh, clunky. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah, I, I, for me, the technique is a therapy and it's kind of a way to understand Nanita and the way to hear and remember her and the way that, you know, drawing every, every single line of her face and you, there is a, a very beautiful point in her face and her neck, which is like a... What is it? A mole? The is Adam's it? apple? No, no. And like when ah, yes. mole. Yeah, like is a mole. It? Yes. And in Danish we call them, if they're the bad ones, we call them mole. If they're big ones, we call them moles. But if they're just small, it's mole, uh, yeah. we call them beauty spots in Danish. The beauty spots. Ah, so it's not in English, but it's quite nice. Yeah? I love so it. So the little ones yeah. you would have in the face or on the arm, we call them yeah. beauty spots. Beauty spots. Okay, yeah. well, this one is a beauty spot. Yeah. And Anita would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I, w I will tell. So the beauty spot is in her, yeah, in the in this uh, where the Adam sample is, yeah. Yes, in her neck. So when I was a kid, I was always playing with it, like trying to play, and she was always like, no, no. So when I was drawing that, I was always crying. You know, it was a therapy for me because it it was you know remembering when I was a child and I was with her. And so you were just sitting and drawing and crying. Yes, and like accidentally. Dripping tears on the drawings? Well, I don't know, maybe some. That would be beautiful, that like mm. your emotional materiality mixed <laughs> with the physical medium. Yeah, in a, in a sense, yeah. It, it was really like, um, it's like a therapy. And I think art is part of that also. And remembering my family. Yeah. And of course that she is alive. So so that's, that's kind of uh, the most valuable that... You know, we I can also show to her what is has happening. Been, it has been shown in Colombia also, right? Yes, the very first version was uh, shown in Colombia. And it was also shown as an e exhibition, so I, I could show all the process of the drawings. Yeah. All the drawings in one huge space. When I saw it, all the drawings were hung up on the walls or like hanging in, suspended from the walls or from the ceiling and then the screening like... And that was really beautiful to be able to see the massive work of it, to see all the drawings hanging side by side. It really yeah. adds a different because then there were like a thousand Anitas hanging. Yes, in the room. <laughs> yes, yes, and and also that she she got the chance to be there, you know, to to, to physically to be next to the drawing of herself. Yes, and, yeah. and we were earlier before the like the whole ceremony even started and. It was actually through the Finnish cultural, no, the Finnish embassy. Mm. Ah, yeah, Finnish embassy and Finnish um, the institute of uh, well, Finnish cultural institute in Madrid. Okay. So the 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 one in Madrid, it's actually also supporting projects in Latin America. Mm. They are very interested in that. So that's how it also started the collaboration. And uh, and yeah, so for me that that has been also a big big thing that fin Finnish uh, like cultural institutes have really like support support my my works and and it was a bit kind of crazy to see how the support from Finland takes me back to my home yeah 
And I was very grateful for that. And the ambassador of Finland gave a speech to Nanita, which was like really meaningful. And, uh, and he also talked about how the importance of family is lacking in Finland in, in one way, that he was really proud to see and, and really like strongly admiring how, how good like uh, it's to show and express this like a strong connection to family. Because in Finland, they, it, it doesn't really happen so often. Yeah. No, in the Nordics in general, I would say, because like a classmate of mine, Doha Chal, just um, her thesis work was about family and home as well, or mm -hmm. uh, just moving from Turkey to here to study. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, and we were several Nordic people who saw one video of like these three generations of women having this very close, intimate relationship and and like several of us from Denmark and Norway and Finland felt like we don't know this reality of family this mm. like it's not that we don't love each other we just don't say it so mm. often and we don't touch and kiss and hug in the same way we are not like physically close like that and I think that is more common in the Nordics that yeah there is not only just the distance between strangers in society mm -hmm. but also within families and I think it has a lot to do with societal um, welfare structures so mm -hmm. that yeah. in the Nordics the state is kind of like taking a lot of the familial responsibilities mm -hmm. not just financially but also practically so you know you put your babies in institution you pay your taxes really high taxes so that you the state will take care of you from you are born till you die so yeah. babies are in an institution you are in an institution from you are for like less than a year and then kind of when you are in a working force maybe you are like a little bit self-sufficient mm -hmm. and then when you're old again in an institution yeah. So the family doesn't have to do anything except just pay the taxes. And it also means that um, we don't rely on our families so much. So it's easier to get uh, estranged, maybe. Mm -hmm. And also people have less children in the Nordics, I think, yes. compared to a lot of other uh, countries. So yeah. these big familial structures that in a lot of places in the world you need to have more kids because otherwise no one will take care of you and also mm, like you need to live together that is kind of just part of the yes, yes. societal ways and then people live together in multiple generations and big like small communities mm -hmm. so yeah that was a sidetrack but I think that sometimes leaving look, yeah. and sometimes leaving your own country mm -hmm. you recognize your um, born identity more Mm -hmm. I have never felt more Danish than traveling around India alone. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. really, that was such an opposite country that I started feeling my Danish nationality in a way that I never ever realized before. I never yeah. felt very Danish earlier. Yeah. But yeah. then there I really realized I need my personal space more than I ever <laughs> thought I needed. And like some yeah. like ingrown ideas of politeness or like needs and, and or like uh, standard behavior whatever anyway I started really yes yeah yes. so far away from home I kind of like it became clear where in me it is so maybe that yes. relates a little bit to I don't know did you work with the theme of family and and your heritage and your roots 
when you yes. were in Colombia? No, actually, no. I, I worked closely with a relative. Um, like, that was my very first video art and experiments through video and installation, which was with one. Um, he, he was not connected with blood, but he was living in, in our home. He was like the best friend of my grandmother mm. from my father's side, not Nanita. And uh, they were best friends, but they didn't have any kind of uh, romantic relationship. Mm. So he, he ended up kind of our grandfather. That's nice. And he was always willing to make art with me, like uh, acting nice. as an actor, as a performer. as a. So it was really, really interesting. Like this connection with family, but not really about family. But the, the theme was it not was, in the same way. No, it was much more... I would say much more experimental and video video art connected. Because I think in all the time I have known you, your main themes have been moving around, belonging to different places, like... Yeah, uh, aquariums. Uh, yeah, about the hair and the aquarium, but that was about also yeah. your hair... Yes, and the hair actually has <laughs> become no, a little bit of a detour. <laughs> yes, no, but it, it's great because actually, yeah, hair. I feel like uh, hair has been like one of the main starting points about this connection to what it means like to be away from Colombia. Because when I move away uh, from Colombia and then I cut my hair first time here, mm. I shave like this side, okay, and I save that. And I was like, okay, this is so crazy. I need to really save because it felt like this is a timeline. This is know? my Colombian hair. <laughs> yes, and it's a real, a real timeline. Yeah. And now later, when when I am in this present with all this analog uh, and 16 millimeter, I'm like, this is exactly the same. It really like resembles the the 16 millimeter uh, celluloid is the same as the hair. How? Because you can also record image on it, you can also and hair has a lot of information. Ah yes, like you know? yeah, like DNA yeah, well, and and it can tell things. Yes, yeah, and it's dead, but uh, still it will keep. You know, you can keep it forever. I and will also die, and it you can keeps keep growing it. after you die. Also, really? Yeah, you ah, yes, know, a little bit. Hair yes, and nails do. keep growing after yes, you die. Yeah, not forever, well, but there is for enough. There is enough organic uh, material in our body that some chemical processes are not dependent on us breathing and having a beating heart yeah. some or some uh, biochemical processes can hand, can happen just due to the the compounds in our cells and, yes. and like the material that is left in the body yeah yes this is yeah this it's is wild so. yeah so sometimes they have to shave corpses again before showing them in countries where they show the bodies oh yeah it's wild anyway okay and you're right you can kind of look at a strand of hair and almost like a tree counting the ores you can count the centimeters and like estimate how yeah how long it took to grow this hair yes and how many frames are in a line timeline you know in a yeah, hairline yeah. let's say yeah. so i really i'm really like intrigued and i really want to continue like researching a lot with the uh, celluloid uh, like uh, 16 millimeter and, and maybe 35 one day but yes it's it's such a like yeah, so for those who don't really understand why we started talking about hair, it's because for a few years what Paola mainly did yeah. was uh, put hairs in aquariums, like pieces of her own hair in aquariums and let it float around like yes. sea creatures and then filming it and projecting through it and walking it around yes. Finland and Colombia and, and filming, walking and in around in the street and also New York. You have like taken uh, your hair in an aquarium strolling on a trip 
many pla- different yes. places in the world. Yes, actually, yeah. I have been now currently like in, in Madrid, in Bogota, in Helsinki, <laughs> and in New York. So it is like a like a tour, a performance going, tour, a performance tour, and it's kind of like it's really like I really enjoy it because it's really feeling like when I'm doing it, I feel like I am actually. Somehow I am in a state that I am not, I am not uh, there. I, maybe I, I died already somehow, wow. you know, because I am carrying my own body. Yeah. And part of my body. And it's in a glass case that people can watch. Yes, they and can watch and it's kind of like this fabul- fabulous thing that it is, it is there. And it, I'm trying to keep it alive even though it's yeah, because there. Because you're blowing air through this like a tube, right? So you're yes. blowing bubbles into the aquarium to make this these little... Yeah chunks of hair move as if they were like uh, yeah. uh, what are they called yeah uh, like octopus like or an octopus no, or yeah. couples or what are they called mm, like and the seaweed or no the, um, yes the, 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 the see through ones yes yes I know um, in Danish it's gopla uh, uh, yes. <laughs> what are they called in English yes, it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean Right? Yeah, I know what you mean, of course. Maybe yes. the audience also knows what we mean. <laughs> they look like bags. Yeah, yeah like yeah. see-through. Uh, anyway. Yes. Sidetrack. So, yeah, you moved to Finland and started, like, uh, working with your Colombian identity. And also the identity of being someone who chose a different place to live, mm-hmm. right? Yes, exactly. Someone who chose to be a nomadic person and and settle somewhere else yes yes because of course like i am here and i am i i I, circumstances of course of course took me here and i am thinking about it and i'm researching about it but of course it's from the beginning and the point that we all um like in latin america we all need to search for opportunities in any way, like my brother is a doctor, my sister is uh, like working with human rights, and I am an artist, and we are all out. And many of my friends in Colombia have also left because Colombia is a, is, is a country where opportunities um, are are not really like for are, are not there, and everybody is looking all the time for what what uh, like how to get uh, a better opportunity and a better chance a better paid uh, it's very uh, like it's like totally corrupted the government and still like there has been changes in political now decisions in colombia but of course it's very difficult to kind of we are we are also many people and it's a hi- history of many many years that it has been like uh, really tough for colombia so in a sense like there is, and I am very grateful to be in Finland. And somehow I think like it's such an amazing thing to be in such a different country and have like the chance now, and like because Colombia and Finland are the opposites of everything. Like when I think I'm like this is so crazy. How how on earth I end up in such a Nordic uh, country? And how did you end up in <laughs> such a Nordic country? <laughs> Maybe that's good to mention. Yes, actually, yes, yeah. I end up through my family. My my sister came to Finland uh, to study her exchange, and she came because uh, she had like three options for doing her exchange, mm. like based on her study program. Based, yes, yeah. in in Bogota. So she chose Finland first because um, with my parents they researched that Finland had a good future also for education, free mm. education for everybody in the world. 
yeah. which was it does it doesn't really go anymore like this. But at that time it was. It was in 2010, 2009 or 10 when she came here. Yeah. So a few years ago the government changed the rules. So now people who don't who are not from EU they have to pay a tuition to study here. Um, it's still not as much as in many countries, mm-hmm. but. Um, but it's not completely free anymore. But when I started studying here, it was still free for anyone in the world to come and do an education in Finland with yes. no tuition. And that's how actually we decided. Uh, that's how a lot of people chose to come here, yes, I think. And, yeah. my, and my sister decided, okay, I'm, I'm coming. I, I put it as a first option. She got it in University of Helsinki. And then she did her master's in Aalto University. And when she, she was doing masters, then I wanted to do my exchange because my parents were like, of course, it's it's great if you also travel. And what were you studying at the time? Visual arts in in Colombia, yes. and it was the emphasis, or uh, it was in uh, audiovisual. Mm-hmm. So I have been always connected through moving image. Yeah. And I decided, like, yeah, let's let's apply for the same school because they had a film film department. So you were like, I can go to the same university as my sister. Yes, that's nice. And it's actually followed in the same before because we studied in the same school in forever Colombia also yes ah. the same uh, women female school mm. uh, so it was really really nice to come and then I was living with her and her partner at the time that now it's husband Finnish husband <laughs> and uh, we were living yeah like six months together and then they left to Brazil then I stayed continue my exchange uh, I did it in set design, so I ended up in set design. I don't know how, but yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty nice. And yeah, the the head of program, uh, her name was Anna, is Anumaya. Uh, she was like my mentor. She was amazing. Uh, mm. Lavastus or set set design teacher, and and gave me a lot of things like options. And through that, I got a lot of jobs after. So that was, and, and I am still working a lot with scenography, so I am very thankful because that kind of opened another side in the artistic practice, mm. that I can work with space, I can work with color installation, And you work a lot textures. with theater people now, right, with this? Yeah. Yes, I do a lot of, um, like, installation work, yeah. like more installation art and, and set design. And so then, after doing this exchange, you decided why not go to Finland and study? Yes, then when I, while I was here, I, I really enjoyed it. And I came in a very good time, which was in, in May. It was like Finland oh, so was blooming. <laughs> in May, I it's was... like the sun is up almost the whole day and it's yes. starting to be super warm and you're thinking, wow, I could live here. Yes, so that, that's how it happened. And, uh, yeah, and my sister. So we, I just, I loved Finland from the beginning. Did you know yet that it can get th- minus 30 degrees Celsius? Yes, and I love it. You know, I think I, I started to complain about darkness and cold maybe two years ago. Okay. And I have been now 10 years in okay. living in Finland. So, but before, because it has been so exotic. And, you know, one of the reasons is that I was 21. Yeah. So when you are 21, you're young, you're easy, like, you're much more... Um, easy to impress and also ready or, for anything. Yes, like, you're, you're 21, you're just, like, starting. So you get used to things. You, yeah, you're, yeah. Used, you're more flexible yeah, in yeah, your definitely. way way of being so it, I mean it I also like, like the winter here I'm from Denmark and honestly I prefer the Finnish winter over the Danish really yeah it's colder here but it's dry cold and no, so and there's more snow. snow it's and the snow is dry in Denmark the snow yeah. is wet and yellow and brown and like yeah. you know from people 
on dogs peeing and like the dirt from it like melting a little bit and freezing again and in Finland it just snow comes and then it stays and then it feels like Christmas all the time and mm. yeah so minus yes, minus yeah. 10 in Denmark feels like minus 30 in Finland yeah yeah it's more windy and more goes to your bones and yeah. here I think it's really okay yeah 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 it's it's different and i really i really enjoyed that part that it's such an exotic country f- from the perspective of a colombian and then another thing is that there is many things that i couldn't find in colombia at all which was like all the opportunities in the university all the equipments all the trust mm-hmm. that people really were trusting me to borrow a camera without signing anything, without giving my last name, my, even my, I don't know, bank card. or Because in universities in Colombia, it's really serious and they really need to get a lot of, it's a lot of bureaucracy also. And here was like, what? Are you really giving me this? And I don't need to sign. And they were like, yeah, sure, yeah, next week. And I was like, what is this? So, I mean, many things were here that I was thinking. There's a lot of trust in the Finnish community also. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's... It's a lot of different perspectives. So I, I what I, I try to do is like to bring what I what I learned from here when I go to Colombia I also kind of share that and I feel like it's yeah, it's it's really I had Colombian friends living in Copenhagen and they said that because they had lived long enough in Copenhagen then one time they went home to Colombia for a visit and they were in the airport for fifteen minutes before one of them had their laptop stolen because they forgot they couldn't place the bag on the floor be- behind between their legs. Oh no. He was no. like, "Yeah, I just placed my bag like on the floor while grabbing my phone and when I looked down it was gone yeah. and I forgot that we were in Colombia and you cannot put your bag on the floor." Yes. Yeah. So in Finland, my first week here, I left my jacket in the metro and I was like, "Oh fuck." But then someone said like, "Yeah, but you know the lost and found office, you can call them." And they were like, "Yeah, it's in the station." And I I went there and there was this little window with the guy. And I was like, "I lost the jacket like a week ago in the metro." And he was like, "Okay." Uh and I was like, "It's red. It looks I maybe I have a picture with me wearing it." And he was like, "It's easier if you just come and look yourself." And then he like let me in and I saw all of these like racks of clothes hanging and he was like, "This is from last week. This is from the week before." And I was like, Yeah, so it's that one. He was like, okay, you can just grab it. And I was like, you don't need any proof? He's like, I mean, if you say it's your jacket, it's probably yours, no? Yeah. And so I could have grabbed any jacket there. But in I, the community here is that yeah. generally people are very honest and they don't steal from each other. And people leave their bags on the bar counter while going to the bathroom. Yes, and you know, exactly, I, yes. I have done that. And no one steals the bag. I wouldn't even do that in Copenhagen. Yes, no, it's it's totally different. And also, when we are talking about all this, is of course there is reasons and there is also the welfare system. Of course, when yeah. that is created, people don't have the need to steal. Or, but then there is also another uh, side from fin- Finnish culture which I like is that it's um, very much honest in the sense of expressing they are never like people are not acting or overacting there's no small talk so people Mm. will go very uh real with you in the conversation if you ask yes yes i know even the awkwardness i think is so interesting i think it's amazing it's (laughs) It's the best it's it's terrible in one way that you don't know how to but it just kind of brings this feeling that okay i enjoy it so much to be in the awkwardness of things like uh, these situations and everyone are like 
squirming inside. Yeah. <laughs> and it's unspoken. No one says anything. Everyone are awkward. And we are all awkward. I think like like human, like we are all humans are very awkward. But of course, from this perspective, in this country, it's different. Finland is just shared and lived out. Yeah, but then one of the, I think it's also regarding weather. And Maybe. you know, like this... Um, like the the sun, the light. I think that's really like brings so much, so much kind of uh, like shyness. Yeah, or in a, in a sense, it's like you don't want to kind of share all the time because it's. I mean, how would you express if you don't have a sun, like all the time, like we have in in, Col- in Colombia or in the south or where we don't have any change of weather is all the it's time the same, the same all the year round it gets yes. dark at the same time yeah exactly yeah. so it's like yeah here it's of course that affects and even affects me i i also notice like of course yes you know you're not coming like you know it's super hello how are you know you're like okay yes you need to kind of take it down i mean it's naturally something happens in the body yeah yeah <laughs> so yes it's it's really like interesting that side and yeah and also, I have family in Colombia, in uh, Finland now, because my sister has a child, mm. and she's expecting the second child now. So and your sister married a Finnish guy, and you are engaged to a Finnish guy, and so you have yes. like yeah, we kind of like <laughs> have found our our men in this in this land, but also somehow they they have also been very open to share our culture and I think yeah, that's yeah. very important of course in an exchange that we have learned from their culture they they are they have really learned from our culture and opened themselves because we are really intense family wise we are which is totally different from this perspective and and then well the the family of my partner Theo like they are really also close to each other you found you found the most spanish non spanish family in Finland. Uh, in Finland, I think so, probably. Yeah, in a way, yes, yes. It, because they are also artists. And, they are um, a big family, but they are super close connected, right? It's this whole like clan almost of. Uh, no, they are actually very small. They is like Theo, Theo, Andreas, Chris, and Kjell. Okay, but Kjell so lives not so in many. Sweden. Oh, so it yes. is small. It is small, and of course there is aunt uh, Mia, but she is in Sweden, and and Anna the cousin. Okay, but they, but it's very small. It's just we have many friends, and that's mm. what we have also tried. Like all our friends, we try to that we are very connected and we help each other. And, you know, it's also about like how you create family through friends, and also friends that are not from Finland and they also need support. So I think mm. we we create more of these kind of. Yeah, we have created like a strong uh, connection through our friends here, like yeah. of the family. And then, yeah, and then it was really beautiful today because Andreas, um, Andreas has uh, like the brother of Theo, my partner. He has uh, now a child uh, which has the same name as my sister's child. So they are both le- Leons. And, and I, they are kind of cousins. They would be cousins, yeah, in a sense, yes. So, and they, they are, they have just two months of difference. So my sisters is older two months. And it's beautiful because they are two lions. And uh, like leons, the names. And then now my sister is expecting a, a girl. And Andrea is good, a, a girl today. With her, are with they Laura. also naming them the same? The name is not going to be okay. the same. Okay. <laughs> 
But, but they are still like it's it's there is some kind of connection, and I I'm so amazed and so happy because Andreas, I I had a dream this this morning that I was in the hospital waiting to meet the baby of Andreas. Then you woke up to the message, and then I woke up. I sent a message. I knew she was coming tonight today because it was a, a C-section planned. Ah, okay. So I was kind of in my dreams. I think I was expecting, and but I saw her in my dream, and I talk about this exhibition, Nanita. To the baby. Yes, the baby talked to me. Oh, and she said that she knew about Nanita. <gasps> wow! <laughs> so it was a bit odd, innocent, like a baby you can talk, and and then she, and then I woke up and I was like, oh my god, I need to write to Andreas, and I sent him a message like, Andreas and Laura, all my like all best energies for for you, and then he sent me a, a message back like now, like he born at nine or ten, ten, ten thirty or something. And then he asked me, like, uh, or he, he announced that he wants, they both want that uh, I am the godmother of this baby. And, and her name is Viola. So I was, like, crying. I was, like, oh, this is so beautiful. Congratulations. Because I really dreamt that we were, like, when she was there and, to- and I talked to her and she talked to me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. But yes. it's funny with the names. It's kind of the same, like, in my family. So, well, yeah. I'm from a small Danish nuclear family, but in a way it's not so small because um, there's been a lot of, in the generations, a lot of divorces and new branches. And my mom has been the social octopus of always being really good at keeping people together. So in a way, Mm -hmm. I come from this family that is massive, Mm -hmm. but they're not all blood related. Like it can be several links of like someone's, my half sisters, half brothers, half siblings they have always been kind of my cousins even though they're not yeah but um so i have an aunt who is actually from finland Mm. but she has lived in denmark since the 60s or 50s or like yeah Mm -hmm. she came to denmark to study i guess when she was like super young and she got pregnant with my uncle super young and of course it was the 60s or something and she was 16 maybe so they married and she stayed because that's what you did Mm. Um, so then she has been in Denmark ever since so she lived most of her life in Denmark Mm. but she is actually from here so um, my Danish cousin like her daughter has a cousin in Finland called Sini which is a quite normal name here it means blue Mm -hmm. so when my parents had my sister they thought it was a pretty name and they called my younger sister Sini so now my cousins wow. in Denmark who they have like a Sini cousin in Denmark and a Sini cousin in Finland wow. <laughs> but in Denmark it's not a common name there are like less than 10 people in all of Denmark called Sini yes not really Sini so not it's so somehow yeah. the same with the same yeah. names yeah they, they really connect <laughs> yes I think this was a really good like a uh, look into your like a uh, why family is so important a theme for you but I think let's get back to the art at hand yes so um, we have talked now a little bit about yeah so I never told you the the topics that I oh yeah I did say the topics that we should talk about yeah and we have covered some of them I feel like should we move and look at one of the other projections in the space because this was three projections in one wall but there's like you have projections on three or four more walls than this yeah yeah in the main hall in the other like around but there's like three or four more places where the video is projected and is it different versions of the same video or is it the same video Uh, it's different 
it's the same, the same, but different kind of versions, different yeah. editings. So, yeah, because I work a lot about also thinking in the space and what is the purpose. Yeah. And also for this, that is a public space because, yeah. So I think let's go somewhere else also yeah. just to change the soundscape a little bit, even though the rush hour kind of cooled off. So now it's not so noisy, but still, then we can talk about the other spaces, how they look. And then let's talk a little bit about what that means for the work to be experienced in this place that is not a gallery but a library and a, like here a food court and everything so yeah. a lot of times art is exhibited in places that was made for the art to be exhibited in so it's it has the full like priority and focus and agenda of the space and the people coming there and here it's different here mm -hmm. it's like an addition to another set of in intentions and needs and uh, so yeah I think we can go a little bit further into that as well yes Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, we have moved to like the main entrance hall of the library. Can you describe the space to the mm -hmm. listener? Yes, so we are in the um, first floor of Odi. It's actually, we are sitting in the chess tables. Like there is like around 20, 20 tables just for people to play chess and it's really like uh, it's a really nice uh, area because uh, there is also these main uh, doors windows which are all around uh, the whole yeah the whole first floor yeah like the whole wall next to us is yes. a window overlooking this uh, open space and from yes. here we can see Kiasma uh, museum and Uh, is that the Parliament building? That's the Parliament. And uh, Musikitalo, which is where also that uh, Sibelius Academy, the, the music uh, art school is. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, it's a really, really nice... Um, kind of, it's a really nice entrance to the, the whole building because you also have access to see it from outside. The inside and the inside to the outside. It's like an aquarium, actually. Yeah, the outside <laughs> can see us. And we have this, like, chessboard on a, for in front of us at the yeah. table. Yes, yes. And then my films are exhibited in the, in the walls, on the walls in the first floor. And it's a very nice perspective from the chessboard because you can see it, you can play, and you can watch the films at the same time. And um, also you can see them from outside here. Yes, well, not so much right now because there's so much daylight. It's kind of sunny today, yeah. So the projection is a little weak. Yes, which is like uh, actually that that is an important aspect when I choose. Like when they ask me which months would you like to exhibit this, because they they I I really decided that it would be better to do it in winter time. Yeah. So yeah, around 4 p.m. 3 p.m. it gets dark mm -hmm. and it's really really nice place for for displaying it. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that it's a public space, like because like we were, uh, Senia was mentioning before, the work is here for, like it's it's not per se a, a museum or a gallery that people will sit and watch it uh, like immediately, but it's more that it kind of be, uh, it it just starts to become part of the space. And, which is also apparent in how where it is exhibited so even though the projectors are hanging here as fixed installations the works kind of have to just be where there is a space for them mm -hmm. so like here there is a white wall but it's 
right above the elevators. So, yes. so like people who are waiting on the elevator almost becomes part of the work because they're standing yes. under the film. And before it was on this wall opposite of the lunch table, so people can mm. eat lunch and look at the film at the same time. Yes. But there can also be no video and no one would notice that there was anything missing. The wall wouldn't look big and empty yeah. in the space. Mm -hmm. And so... Yes, yes, which is something that I'm very uh, interested in because I feel that uh, it is, it's a really important uh, way for my art in a sense that I, I want to kind of bring, bring my, my works to people, to every, every kind of people I, and every kind of uh, situation mm -hmm. that people are not looking for it, but the artist place in place there and then people will take it or not in a sense uh, like it's more public and more accessible yeah like we talked about before we started recording that museums and galleries are technically also public spaces but then you questioned how public is a space if you need to pay 25 euro entrance fee mm. it excludes a lot of the public who cannot afford these luxuries of like uh, cultural endeavors costing more than a few meals mm -hmm. yeah. yes and I feel like also in Finland there is a lot of um, expression that it's missing in the public spaces because everything is here is very controlled and everything is very controlled in a sense that they want to have everything kind of clean and set up in the same way they have always had it so for from, from the film perspective I am very interested in bringing projectors and beamers everywhere because I'm not going to kind of destroy the wall in per se in that sense but there is going to be like always a glimpse of light that will say something mm. nowadays we are full of screens everywhere but still the, all these screens are just connected to to commercial uh, purposes so I, I really really uh, I'm very very interested in bringing like art in public spaces and taking them in this in this way it's a really interesting point that mm -hmm. like these days our eyes are used to having like flickering video happening in the periphery of our vision all the time so in public yeah. spaces it's not uncommon to have projections and screens even where we are sitting now I see one info screen with some info another info screen with moving uh, images of info and then another screen showing some kind of like T political European TV uh, stuff and then I see another info screen another one and then your two screenings and so yeah. our eyes are used to like not even registering all of it that it's happening around us and so yeah. if you don't really look at what is happening on your video maybe you won't see it but then if you really look it's your big face hugging your Nanita. Yes. And, it's, and now it's Nanita watering plants with this little uh, yes. spray bottle. And so it's very different. Different, yeah. It yeah. will always clash because I think the commercial like quality is such a kind of sharp and bright colors. And that is still like projectors have a quality of being much more natural in a sense for the eyes. and. And uh, for example, there was like my very first installation in a public space was in Sornain and Metro Station. Mm. And it was actually when I applied to Kubatai de Academia and I wanted to take my film, my, my video. It was a video where I was talking through the newspaper of uh, Helsing in Sanomat. And I am using just Finnish words that I understand. 
And for me, it was very important to see this work in a public space because I really wanted to see if there was other foreigners recognizing the words <laughs> that I knew, which were very few. Yeah. And, and people were coming, actually, to talk to me. And I asked for permission. And actually, I realized, like, they told me that every, every person is free to show something public for 30 minutes. This was in 2016. So that was really nice to see that, okay. And then I was thinking, how am I going to get this electricity in this metro station? But actually, it was through the, the nail shop which I am thinking in my future I will nail proceed. shop nails as in nails uh, they are making nails like a, like, like a nail polish nail nails. polish yeah because yes, at first I was thinking metal nails like what you put in a ah, wall yes yes no like polish the whole nails. shop only selling nails <laughs> yes, yeah polish nails okay so yeah. like a nail salon yes they you, they gave me electricity so through through their salon <laughs> I got electricity to show my in the metro station in the metro station amazing and I brought the sound and, and the projector and it was pretty simple and it worked and people really well were they were coming to talk to me and I was really interested how you know it, it's it's actually to to come to bring the situation to to adjust to the situation brings a lot of richness also to the work I, yeah first of all something happens to the work when it's put in a different context mm -hmm. so this is why in if you've listened to many episodes of this podcast you will have a pretty good idea of what a white cube gallery is and and how standard it is that a lot of galleries tend to lean towards this tradition of art exhibition spaces um, and one of the reasons for that is minimalistic white walls gives the work freedom to to be what it is on its own uh, kind of whereas when you put it in a context that has a lot of information already like here a lot of visual stuff is happening a lot of content is already in the room mm -hmm. uh, then the the work will be read in relation to that so it will be somehow it will have this conversation with the space and with the content in it so the work cannot stand on its own anymore it will be affected and so mm, it's a little bit like having a color on its own looks in one way but then if you put it next to other colors suddenly it starts looking differently or you start having a different feeling about it or yeah. you know so it's the same with artworks but it also means that it can be super interesting to put the same work in different kinds of places and to see what happens to it yes yeah totally it is it is really like interesting to see the reactions and i think people in 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 a sense of public spaces have, it's it's is like yeah for example rush hours if you go to the metro people it's move really fast through really the space fast. yes and and some people really want to ask they react they do they, they don't or but still there is something and there is something coming to to talk to them because when it's public spaces you feel that nobody is talking to you everybody nobody is really caring for you in a sense that there is no like everybody is just going to their own directions and kind of but then when there is something else happening it's like oh what I want to see this and here in Finland it's a lot of luck in that because again the welfare system allows even artists uh, to live with some something yeah. so you don't need to go to the street to make your show but it's still it's some or, or of course there is there is artists and I don't want to say that the whole Finland is like that but but it's still like I think in art uh, there should be also this kind of daring into our artistic communities that we, we open ourselves, even though 
there is a welfare, there is there is also a chance to express. There should be a chance. But it's very interesting now talking about public space and the differences to public spaces mm. because, yeah, sorry, I just I know you were branching out a little bit, but I want to go back to this. Yeah, yeah. So like a metro station, for instance, and a lot of public spaces, they're very liminal spaces, meaning people don't actually stay in them. Like it's spaces where people move through. Uh, they are in a way non-spaces their function is that they are like for transmission or transformation or transport Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah people are only spending longer times in them while waiting so they're only pausing in these liminal uh, places of transmission or or transport because they're waiting to go from one place to another or but then when you put up a video there you create like a reason to be in the space mm-hmm. other than to move somewhere else and Udi in a little way in a library is a little bit this in-between public space that it's like mm-hmm. of course this is a walkthrough space there's entrances on both sides and stuff and people don't spend like they don't sleep here they spend maybe like they spend limited amounts of time here but there is still the chessboard, the lunch area, the books. Everywhere you say, like like you said, you have noticed there's chairs everywhere. It's mm. because it's a built, it's a space built to spend time in. Yes. People don't just walk through. They come in and they take the coat off and they mm-hmm. they don't they come here to dwell here for a while. Yes. It's yes. not so many people who run in and out like they would do in a bookstore they would run yeah. in they will buy the book and they will go home to read it yeah. here people come to actually look through the books yes. in the space and also Udi has like sound studios that people can use and they yes. have like yeah. sewing machines that people can use yes. and and stuff like this so it's also like a workshop space yes. on the other floors I guess but um, yeah so I think that's an interesting point that this is a public space but it's a very particular type of public space mm-hmm. so yes. your yes. film is like kind of latching on to the fact that people are already sitting down here and looking around yes and also for example for the accessibility reasons it's a it's a space that also brings a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities for people to see and really spend time there is a, uh, actually now when i have been working with these films and i have been visiting the exhibition I have noticed, like, start noticing people that actually are coming here every day. So as soon as the the library opens, you come. Some people come to work here, yes, or there is one one um, person that comes. Uh, he's around uh, 16, 70 uh, years old, and he lives here in that sense that this is his his place. Do you think day. he's retired? Yeah, he's he's homeless. Okay. Uh, so I have also asked to the people here um, that w- that are working. I ask them, do you know? Have you noticed? And then they are like, yes, we know him. We are used to him now. And they you let know? him be. Yes, because yeah, and he sleeps here. So. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I mean, he's yeah, he's actually in the third floor often. I don't, I haven't really talked to him, but but the, you notice, and maybe there is even more than him that you know people because where there is no home, where there is no a way of socializing, where do you go to a public the shopping library? mall or something? But then maybe the guard will kick you out. Yes, but in this in this library, I have I have feeling like everybody's welcome in that sense that you can see that kind of. Happening. But also, it is a government-funded yeah. public space, so in yeah. a way, it would take a lot to not be eligible to spend your time here. Mm-hmm. Like you really would have to make trouble. To yes, be kicked out course. in a way because yes, like you cannot you if, really like to say to one person you cannot sit here and then another one you can sit here the whole day if you want it's like 
Yes. It's really tricky. Yes, yeah, true. And actually, also, you don't see guards all the time. No, like they, it's very they, chill. They, they really, they, they might come every now and then, but that was another uh, another kind of note that they gave me in this uh, for screening my films, and it was like, uh, Paola, you need to know that here it's a public space, your work, you have your books. So, so additionally to the films, I'm also exhibiting books where you can see the drawings of the animation. And in those books, when I, I told them, they were really happy to, to show the books also, but they were a bit afraid of what's going to happen to the books because there is nobody guarding. So they were like, if you really take them, it's by your own risk because we cannot really say that they will be there forever. And some people took them, you say? Yes, yeah, so, so I have visited every week to check the situation. So one, one day, yes, they were taking, they, there were some pages they took and they took some parts. They took pages? Yes. So in a way, it's like, hmm, wow. like things happen here, of course. You know, it's 6,000. In Colombia, I, yeah. I wouldn't really <laughs> leave anything. That's a lot of people. But then when you, when you deal with a public space, you need to deal with this situation of risk. That and of course in galleries and museums also, but of course the levels here of risk is, is really high. Mm. That you don't know what will happen with the piece, which also is interesting because of course it's a public and it's a yeah for everybody. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just need to get yes. back on track in my brain. Oh yes, uh, so now you said before that like you were doing this. Um, reading the newspaper film in Södernäs metro station as your application work for the Fine Arts Academy, which is where I met you. But before that, you studied in Aalto University. So first an exchange. Yes. So you took a Bachelor of Arts in Colombia, Colombia. yeah? Yes. A BA. BA. And then you took, uh, you exchange. did exchange as part of that in scenography or set design in Aalto University, which is in their art department. Aalto University is kind of like the science university, but they do have an art department. In architecture. And uh, so they have like a, like a little creative division with some uh, creative uh, departments. But it's like you can study a BA or an MA there, which is Bachelor of Arts or Master of Arts. And the difference to the Fine Arts Academy or like the art academy where we studied together is that there you get a BFA or MFA and the, the F is the fine and I have not yet completely figured out what this means but it means that the, the education is different and I guess it means that you are like more educated to be an artist and mm -hmm. not so much like a technical artist but more like an artist artist if that is a not a weird way to say it um, like it's very conceptual it's not about being good in like some technical skill or uh, yeah it's about like having the mind of an artist and working in the way of an artist I don't know it's weird yeah. maybe the F just gives us the ability to be like judgmental towards other art or something it gives us this like <laughs> yeah. meta arrogance uh, <laughs> card that we can pull mm. I don't really know Fine arts, museum art, gallery art, I don't really know what it means. Yeah. Before I really realized, one time I met a girl in Paris who told me that she studied fine arts in London. And back then I didn't know what that meant. So I was like, I, in my mind I saw like Renaissance paintings or something. I was like, <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but I guess that's why they also created the, like that you should choose your line. Because of course fine arts 
it's really wide. Yeah, but, but then, then you yeah. took a Master's of Art and MA in Alto when you actually came here to study. Uh, no, I actually, I didn't do an MA. What I, did you do? Another BA? I did one year of exchange. And then? And then I did like six months in Alto because they support my thesis. Ah, so you finished here. So you I finished okay. here my, my BA from Colombia and Alto gave me the credits and gave me the score for my thesis. Okay, so you just have one BA that is like a combined mm -hmm. from Colombia and... Mm -hmm. and, and Alto and I took also MA courses from Alto because it was really open program as in... in uh, in Cuba, but what, MA and, F, and BA combined. And then you took a whole education in Cuba afterwards, like a BA, BFA and an MFA, which is like in total yes. five and a half years. Yes. But um, which department did you end up in in Alto when you moved here to finish your BA? Uh, it was because I was doing the scenography and also production design, which is kind of scenography, but for film and television. Mm -hmm. And in that department, the, um, they were supporting me because it was the film department. And I, I told them that my actually my, my major is in film and I want to make a documentary. So they support that. And they mm -hmm. gave me cameras and they gave me also the... The, um, the score of the thesis because I needed to have a score and it was accepted to the Colombian University. Mm -hmm. And then in in the Fine Arts Academy where we studied together, it's a little bit different. So you choose a department, but you can basically decide yourself mm -hmm. what you do. And yeah. so um, there is no film department. Yeah. So there is a technical department, kind of, time and space, but it's very broad. It, and also, it doesn't matter. You can be in time and space and paint if that's what you want. But you still have quite selectively worked with film as a main medium. In merit, Obviously, like we have talked about in many different aspects and ways, but you really have this like red thread through your practice that is always going back to the screen and people experiencing audiovisual works yes. in this way uh, and so how is uh, how is that or why is that and um, maybe like what are the main differences to studying these types of things in Alto and in Cuba or like how has the different schools also in Colombia like how has the different schools like uh, supported this practice or expanded in, in their different ways and what is your love of video or film that makes you stick with it? I don't know if these are some questions yes. that are interesting for you to answer. Yeah, maybe I can start uh, answering the, the question about like why film and why audiovisual. And it has started actually since my very beginning in studying uh, uh, in Colombia because I really went towards moving image. And I think it, it carries a lot about my... Uh, like my my family history because we were living in downtown of Bogota and we were always going to watch films with my parents and it was not uh, really like uh, like uh, this kind of uh, mainstream it was the opposite we were always going to the cinemas that were really kind of cheap and it was always art films mm -hmm. and always my dad wanted us to kind of talk about the films and it was really like it, it was another perspective did you have tv at home uh we had but the tv also had a very funny like meaning because we uh, there was a time where my dad decided like we are gonna save it uh, we're not gonna watch any more TV because, of course, you know, chi like children, we were watching so much. Yeah, yeah. So, so the TV went to the sauna because 
like really strange, but we had a sauna in, Which is in not our apartment. Normal in Colombia. No, it's no. very normal in Finland. No, everyone has a sauna, a sauna even inside yeah, their house no. or apartment. In Colombia, we had a sauna in one of our apartments, <laughs> and it was not like you know this like oh luxurious apartment. No, it was a sauna in. Um, I don't know, like closer to downtown of Bogota. Uh, can we just say, within the scope of like um, writing or f- uh, cinematography or something, this is foreshadowing <laughs> yes. in your life. Yes. The, the movie about your life, there was foreshadowing in you having a sauna already at home. At home when I yeah. was like nine or ten. And then my dad hide the TV in the sauna. <laughs> And he he hid it, and he and then we were like because of course we really didn't use the sauna. I don't and yeah, why to use it somehow? But of course now we I would have loved to use it. So we were watching TV in the sauna with my brother and sister because the sauna wasn't warm, so you yeah. could just sit in yeah. there. Yeah, and it was like you know like uh, we were like hiding, sneaking, sneaking to watch TV in the sauna. So I was thinking that was so so funny. But yeah, but anyway, like this moving image came from the from the watching like since we were kids, and then I really enjoyed the camera as a, as a tool mm. because I felt like camera was really like. I think I didn't even know why camera, but when I'm here now in Finland and after I have studied like so many years in universities and write about what is what really means camera and camera has been the tool where I really like you, it's it's just such an amazing it's a magical tool. Yeah. How the hell can we save the image, you know, and then watch it after so many years and then it's still there. So and recording the voice, like the whole audiovisual thing, I I was full like I fell in love from from the very beginning because it was so magic and even it had much more sense now when I'm here in Finland and when I film in Colombia and then I come to see the films I'm like this is this is just so magical mm. like I I it's something that you yeah you you can of course the the telephones are bringing a lot of that but that's also very scary because they are bringing it very immediately mm. and you're kind of losing that question somehow because you have it there it's like everybody has a camera in the phone and whatever but it's still to have the image and to storage it and then watching it after many years it has so much sense so for me that has been kind of mostly the 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 idea and also the with the analog perspective I have also find the touch of me with the with the celluloid that mm. it's also about like painting on it or kind of recording something on it so how, how a little bit like animation well someone was just dancing right in front of us yes <laughs> I mean he was listening to music on his phone but it was amazing it was just next to our table yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good segue. Thank you for reminding. Uh, I want to talk about analog versus digital because yes. you have moved into working a lot with analog film. Yes. And can you maybe just summarize to the listener the two different techniques? Mm-hmm. Like from a more... Imagine you tell it to someone who don't know the technical aspect of either of them. How would you describe the difference to working yes. with these elements? I, I would or like say these tools? Like what it means immediately. Uh, when you have a, a digital a camera, you, the image will come immediately to the... Like in a second, you can see it, mm. right? When you have a digital camera, when you have a phone. And you when don't you, have to worry about how much you can store. Exactly. Yeah, massive like, amounts also. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, people are sitting to watch to no, play chess. Be more loud, but it's okay. Yeah, but 
but yeah exactly like it's an Im- immediate uh, like an instant mm. let's say like uh, you can really see the material right away so you can correct yourself in the process and yes. you can change the process on the spot yes kind of also yes but but the difference with analog is that of course you need to wait you need to wait for for it to develop and you need to have a risk in it that you never know maybe it won't come sometimes you shoot a whole roll of film yeah. and there has been something wrong uh, and you didn't shoot anything yes. or there was a light leak or yes. something which is also very fascinating for me because i'm a person that i am not a I, I don't really plan crazily my thing. Like if my things don't go like they they should, uh, I try. Of course, there's things that you know you, I would cry and I would scream. But I feel like there is always chance for mistakes and something doesn't go like it is. Then there might be some reasons or some you will find something from it. So, mm. and then also the the fascina- fascination of the analog is that you have such a it's a, like animation. You have a five seconds and these five seconds you can create like a minute from those five seconds and they are very meaningful so time is totally different you read time in a very different way as when you read with digital like a minute in digital is nothing but a minute in analog means a lot in process in money wise in uh, like all the experiments you could create So that for me was really meaningful when I found it, and it was in a course in Kubatai de Academia, and I'm so thankful. It was with Milia Vita, and since then I cannot get out. You know, I have been like, I, I love also digital still, and I'm working with digital because of course it's 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 uh, more handy and accessible. But but I really find that the the analog has another 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 level. Light also works differently in analog and digital. Uh, so this is for photography as well because of course <laughs> video is just many photographs really quickly shown after yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, so on digital you don't want to overexpose which means you don't want it to be too bright anytime on a digital photo that something is completely white because of too much light it means that there's no pixels Mm -hmm. Uh, you have burned so to say I'm making air quotes you have kind of burned the image um, and then you can't get it out so if you have an image that is too dark digitally you can always in photoshop or something like pull out the details from the darkness you can always put more light and actually create an image from the dark so you can always pull the image out of the shadows but you cannot pull the image out of the sun it doesn't it hasn't recorded anything they will just be white where there is white Mm. and on film cameras is different you kind of often prefer to overexpose a little bit because the colors will be brighter Mm-hmm. Um so and and you know it takes a lot more to overexpose it's a different yeah. so also working with light and and darkness and stuff you also have it's a different type of tool to work with yes. analog and it's also that's the thing the, the, the working with darkness is so interesting to go to a dark room and wait and wait <laughs> yeah because you of course develop and expose your uh, yes. or like you work yes. yourself with development processes yes yeah. yes and uh, so much about like manual you know you use your hands and you mix lot. the chemicals yourself so you're yes. eyeballing or measuring and like everything measure, will be a little bit your... different every time yes to use like I also uh, well I, I met the 
Bolex camera also in Kubatai, the academia. And the Bolex, um, now I have a Bolex that it's uh, borrowed from a film director, which I'm very thankful. I won't say his name because maybe someone else will ask in the camera for it. Fine. <laughs> no, no, but... Can you I explain am, about this camera quickly? This, this camera is fantastic. So Maya, Maya Deren was working with that camera, if you have heard about it. Yeah, she was, she was making in the 50s, her films are like one, some of the very first experimental kind of using dance. And she was using slow motions in her in her films and so this camera you can do a slow motions like 64 frames per second you can um, shoot double exposure you can um, uh, print film which means that you can uh, put two films at the same time in the camera so one is negative that you shot undeveloped already and one it's virgin like one is like a new one. A new one. So you can like copy films from or make yes. like a double like a make a copy of the film strip. Yes, exactly. Wow, so that's this, amazing. This camera is Can you beautiful. just explain how it is with the frame per second and you do slow motion because maybe some listeners don't. Yes, so so basically this. like the cameras that we, we like when when you have now the phones for example in digital when you do a slow motion that means that you have you're filming every second with much more frames. Usually yeah. are 25 to 30 in the phones. Now uh, with this, uh, like a slow motion, I don't think it can go to 1,000 frames per second. Well, and then you get really slow. But now in, in the, yeah, like in the Bolex camera, you get 64 frames per second, which is still creates a very smooth So in, in Europe, the standard for film is 24 or 25 frames per second. In America and maybe also Japan, the standard is 50 frames per second, I guess. Or or like maybe we also do 30 frames per second quite often in, in Europe and then 60 frames per second in America. I don't know. There are a little bit different standards. But yeah, like Paula is saying, the more frames you shoot, extra then you can slow it down. Yeah. So if you normally shoot with 25 frames per second, if you then sh shoot 50 frames per second, you can slow it down to half and still have it playing as if it was real time. So it becomes very smooth slow motion. Yes. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this camera, yeah, it's, it's Bolex and it's, it's great. I love that I you said before that you met this camera. Yes, and because so it is. is that like a language thing that in uh, one of the other languages you speak that you would say that you meet a, a tool, or is it just because you really feel so much for it that you are? I really feel okay. like I really meet, I really met um, energy, a person, um, something, you know, because it it's a some, tool, because something in your life. It's like a, it's like a pencil, you know, yeah. the camera. I mean, it's an instrument. You use it as you want. Yeah, yeah. So that's and you the, get to know it. Yes, and these cameras were ensembled by women. Oh yeah. So that's that's also another thing to talk in my art because I'm I'm usually working with the women in my family and also like uh, female topics. But yeah, like the the history of this camera also was ensembled by women, and there is like these videos in the fifties where you see the factories and then women are like, oh yeah, you know, like ensembling them. So it's really interesting. Are they expensive, these cameras? Nowadays they are getting more expensive, so between like 800 euros to 1,500, 3,000. And they shoot which, how many millimeters? 16. Yeah. There is also which Super is the, 8. Which is the thinnest strip, right? Yes. No, the thinnest is Super 8. 
Super eight is thinner. It's, okay, it's, and yeah, then sixteen, 16 is, oh, and then yes, 30, of course. thirty-five. Of course, because it's actually the millimeters. Yes, yeah, so sixteen is like the middle because it's it, it gives you it allows you to to still experiment with it, mm. and it allows you to the price is kind of in between thirty-five and super eight. So <laughs> it's kind of the, yeah. the middle. And so what we use in film cameras and what they shoot shoot in um, mo- normal cinemas and if they still shoot films is 35 millimeters so that's the one you know from normal photo cameras mm-hmm. but then these home video cameras that people had back in the days before camcorders uh, they would have eight millimeters or 16 yeah yes yeah exactly. and then super 8 is a cheaper version of eight millimeter right it's like yeah, quicker yeah, or cheaper sure. or yeah. something or I don't know yeah, like nowadays a, everything is super eight okay there is or an optimized so version I don't actually know that much about analog film so yeah. I'm just tossing out okay, things no, that I, might be wrong <laughs> <laughs> okay film, I, film lovers analog film lovers yeah, you would apologies. correct that. yeah uh, so I never managed to work with analog film because in five and a half years of studies you kind of just have to choose some things and you have to uh, you have to just like choose some things and then you work with those and you, you don't no no but yeah okay but it's just we're recording songs <laughs> don't worry no no we're not playing we're doing a podcast you're listening to my music and I was thinking these girls look like they want to play oh yeah no we're not playing we're recording a podcast it's okay it's recording it's fine it's fine no no worries. <laughs> Love that it looks like we're taking so long to do the first move of the play. Yes, people want to join. Yeah, fun. I love these cameos in the podcast. It's my favorite. It is in these uh, But great. no, yeah, what I wanted to say is also through our studies, like there was the COVID lockdown and stuff. So obviously I didn't have a chance to work with something as specialized as yeah. analog film in this time because you really need the gear and the facilities. Yeah. And so now yes. you have to go. Is it like so, the time? Yeah. Oh yeah, I see. Yes. So, but then we can wrap up uh, slowly. No worries. Maybe no it's hard. also like not so important what we are now going into. But just uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, now we have like kind of spread out and talked a lot about your whole practice and stuff. How yes. do we wrap it up and like bring all the threads together? <laughs> well, we can um, <laughs> talk about yeah. Oh yeah, we can talk yes. about like upcoming things of yours. And so one plot to say maybe is I know you because we are in Kino Club together. Yes. And now we didn't mention this at all, but I am planning on doing yes. like you guys suggested that we should do an actual Kino Club episode. And I'm thinking we will do that in the upcoming exhibition. Yes. That oh, I will have fantastic. an episode where we are the four of us together mm. talking in the exhibition about Kino Club as a collective, which is one of the reasons why I didn't mention it at all today. That's fine. But so in December, if you are in Helsinki, uh, and this episode comes out in like two weeks, mm-hmm. so they will be able to see it. So. On the 2nd, there's the opening? 2nd of December, Saturday, in Suomenlina, in Galleria Augusta. And it's, um, it's the second Kino Club exhibition, and I became adopted into Kino Club during the first Kino Club exhibition. So yes. it's Expanded Cinema Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And I won't have any works in this exhibition because I'm too busy, 
but you will have a work there. Yes, yeah, so this is the upcoming, upcoming um, yeah, piece, which Here. is coming like in two weeks or one week and a half. And it's very exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a video installation okay. this time. I'm using partly uh, analog, more as a photography. So I'm working a lot with this um, uh, material uh, because you know there is the storage which I'm talking about a lot uh, about digital and how nowadays we can use the storage so quick mm. and how do we really save this because everything is digital in cloud so if we stop paying I am paying iCloud if I stop paying I guess I would need to get to download all this material soon so my, my I mean I just keep buying hard drives I have so many now yeah. where every time I need to find something I need to systemize it better because yes. every time I need to look through five different hard drives to find the stuff I'm yeah. looking for so I'm working with that yeah. with the idea of how I transform this WhatsApp um, group family group material into a, into a, a, um, a physical a physical medium, medium. Mm. and plus I am combining this through a more conceptual idea of, of what it means for me, uh, aquariums and water and, and memory, because I think it's still like all this, uh, it's like such a kind of inside of a platform that becomes an aquarium of the album of my family. You know, it's kind of this, uh, yeah, this place where I storage all my memories and uh, how, how do we kind of really like, yeah, make it in a physical and, and keep it alive, even mm. though it's just digital and growing every day. And, yeah. So, wow, yes. I'm looking forward to this. If you're listening to this and think that you're going to be in Helsinki during December, the, op it, the opening is on the 2nd and then it's open for how long? Until the 16th? Yes, it will be on the 17th. 17th of December. So you have two weeks in December to go to Suomenlinna Island. Yes. and. Uh, and see this exhibition and there will be an opening event on the second with uh, performances and stuff and there will be a screening event on the ninth yes where i am performing uh, yes. with my thesis work uh, sound performance um so yeah come by and we will link to kino club and things in the show notes both for this and for the interview that we will do there in the exhibition yes where can people find you like your website and social media yes links? yes you can you can find me in in um, well i have my own web page which is like you can type just uh, com. <laughs> then i have it it's short because of course i don't want to make it so <laughs> difficult <laughs> in the search of my name <laughs> in that sense but then in instagram you can type um, i am uh, as paola en el tiempo in spanish without any space in between but also you can type my whole name there you can type it all paola fernanda guzman figueroa yeah there you can find me and yes like through kino club is is a our community because here in Finland you need to create community to kind of also feel at home yeah. and Kino Club has been a big part of that for me to be happy in this country and partly. for me as well so Paola <laughs> is founding member of Kino Club I came like four years ago Yeah, I became part of the collective and in many ways Kino Club became my art family in this country and I think was one of the reasons why I stayed here mm -hmm. and didn't drop out and do the rest of my education somewhere else because I considered for a while mm. and so we will get into that 
in a few episodes when I interview you guys into Omandina because yeah I really think that you became my art family that was one of the reasons why I, I suddenly had like familial community enough to stay here mm, that's very good yeah I think yeah, so beautiful so um Thank you so much. Wow. Yeah, it was like, you know, it was about time that we did this conversation. Yes. <laughs> I really wanted to. We could actually talk the whole day. <laughs> I know, I know. But it was really nice. And I think we yeah. got into some interesting points. And also, yeah, I knew I wanted to interview you. But you have been traveling a lot in the last few years. While I've been doing this project for a year and a half, you have yes. been on residencies yes. and traveling in like... You have been in multiple continents and away for long periods at a time. And yeah, I'm really happy to would make it and yeah. to be here because yeah, it's it's about yeah. I really enjoy this podcast. Thank you for making it. Sure, and thank you for being here. And thank you to the listener. I'm Senia Ram, your hostess, and here with. I've never before had a podcast where the name of the visiting artist has been mentioned so many times like today. <laughs> Say it, say it. Yeah, Paula Fernanda Guzman Figueroa. Yes, thank you so much. Taxamique. Muchas gracias. Yes. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.